Well, good evening and welcome, my dear listeners, uh, once again to Voices of the Sacred Feminine, broadcasting across the globe. Oh, I think we're getting close to a decade now. I've sort of lost track. Um, Thank you for being right here with me and my guests, uh, where we uh, proudly discuss sex, power, politics, and religion. All those things I was told as a nice girl growing up in the South that I shouldn't bother my pretty little head with. Well, guess what? Um, I want to say thanks tonight um, to Celia for uh, use of her uh, uh, her music, and uh, that cut you heard uh, was uh, called Meta Prayer. Um, also, a couple other quick thank yous before we get to um, what I think is another great show um, tonight. I want to say thanks to Margie for the nice email she sent me. Um, she says, Dear Karen, thanks for all your help. When I wrote to you from Australia, I already had your book, but... I copied uh, what I wanted for this goddess tour of Ireland. Every day we used your prayer as we set out. Uh, I've had the best time, feel so nourished and thrilled with all the places I've visited. Your work is comprehensive as well as nourishing. Thank you and love from Margie. Well, thank you, Margie. It's always good to hear. Uh, people are reading my stuff, and uh, it's useful and and um, making them smile and um you know, helping their lives, uh, you know, be better. And Dharma, I want to say thanks to Dharma. Uh, This is a tardy but certainly sincere uh, thanks for that pink package that uh, arrived in the mail recently. I won't say much more, uh, but uh, thank you very much, Dharma, for uh, for your sisterly, uh, uh, sisterly thoughtfulness, shall we call it. Um, Also, uh, I want to say thank you to the Pagan Pride folks who came out last Sunday and to the Goddess Spirit Rising people, um, all of you who came out for my recent talks uh, called Reawakening Our Earliest Sacred Stories. And uh, um, it was really wonderful seeing your reaction uh, to uh, my presentation. And uh, I have to say it, it inspires me to keep talking about it. And I'm glad the reaction was so good uh, at Pagan Pride and God of Spirit Rising because, you know what, you are my guinea pigs. Uh, That's actually uh, the talk that I'm going to be giving next week at the Council for the Parliament uh, of World Religions. Um, Yes, on Saturday morning I'm going to be giving Reawakening uh, our earliest sacred stories, and um, but uh, that's only after Friday. Uh, on Friday, I'm going to be moderating a panel called The Living Goddess, and on the panel will be Ava Park from the Goddess Temple of Orange County, Carolina Amore, uh, also here in California, and to Tracy Regula, who is uh, carrying on the legacy of uh, Lady Olivia Robertson and Lorian Vignet of uh, Isis Oasis up there. So we will be talking about the relevance of goddess and the sacred feminine at this uh, uh, prestigious and um, famous, I guess you could say, interfaith conference. And I'm so happy that uh, goddess has a seat at the table uh, is how I like to describe it. Um, You know, it wasn't that long ago uh, when Lady Olivia... Uh, Robertson of the Fellowship of Isis was here on my radio show and uh, we were talking about her participation at the Parliament uh, in those early days and she said she actually had death threats 
from some people who attended the conference who uh, weren't real comfortable with this notion of goddess. But it's really interesting that uh, in a short period of time, things have changed so drastically. And of the thousands of proposals uh, that were submitted to the parliament, hundreds were chosen, and I think probably a few dozen are people like me who are going there representing the sacred feminine. So uh, I have to tell you, uh, the hair standing up on the back of my neck, and I got goosebumps uh, talking about it. Um, I'm excited. I'm scared. I'm pinching myself. Um, But anyway, uh, I I just uh, hope for the best for all of us. Uh, It'll be a great networking opportunity. Uh, And, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about the new paradigm shift and how hard it is sometimes. It feels like it's you know, one step forward and two steps back. But when you think about the fact that, you know, Lady Olivia got death threats for talking about the goddess at the parliament, and now that's that's just such an absurd notion. It it just wouldn't happen. We know things are changing, and things are changing quickly. So I wanted to share all of this so listeners would take heart that even though it feels like a struggle some days, we are making such incredible progress. We really, really are. So uh, tonight uh, I have with me uh, our resident uh, astrologer is back. Uh, Kathy Pagano is going to be telling us about the cosmic story. And um, in about a half hour from now, um, we will also have with us uh, Tanishka, uh, and uh, our topic is rebirthing the world uh, as we know it. And I'm excited to be talking about uh, uh, about that with Tanishka. She is uh, has been teaching ancient women's wisdom and traditions for 20 years, and uh, I'm sure she has a lot uh, to share with listeners tonight. So, but first, um, Kathy is here on the line with me, and I uh, want to welcome her back. Hi, Kathy. Hey, Karen. How are you? I'm good. We've missed you, and uh, I'm glad you're back here to uh, tell us about the cosmic story. Um, I'm sorry, you know, I didn't, uh, I wasn't organized enough to have you on before this uh, this recent uh, blood moon we had. Um, um, so I so I hope you know you'll take a minute and maybe squeeze in uh, to what you were going to tell us uh, and explain why you know if if that was significant and why. When you tell us the cosmic okay. story tonight. Okay, great. Yes, well, I'll start with that. Just last week was the fourth in two years of a total lunar eclipse, especially over America. And and I think I've always felt, and I think you and many other people feel this, Karen, that it's um, the way I would say it was it, we don't, you know, so many of us don't experience the hunger or the terror of war or the famine, or the the dictatorship overtly, okay, I know we have it, um, that other countries do. And so our job has been to psychologically get our acts together and become more conscious. And um, sometimes looking at our country, you begin to despair that that will ever happen, but it is. And the fact that the goddess is coming, is going to be represented so wonderfully at the World Parliament of Religions, um, you know, is is really the return of the goddess when we talked about it in the 70s. It isn't that long ago. And um, and I think that she's having a big impact personally on many people's lives, but also on the world. And so um, this full moon eclipse 
was once again in Aries and in Libra. So it, it, so it, it's for the last two years we've been saying, what is relationship? How do we take our stand and also at the same time relate to other people? Because so many of us have, especially women, Libra is the scale and it, we're supposed to be a balance something on one side and something on the other. But so often we jump over to our partner's side of the scale and go, anything you want, honey, causing imbalance and anger and and probably a lot of divorce. So the things that we've had to learn um, in these last years, very much so, has been how do we stand in our own truth and yet be open and compassionate and able to compromise in relationships. And um, so this last um, full moon was very much about sort of a completion of that, a grounding in of that energy. Okay. And, um, it, you know, so, and the thing is, that doesn't mean that that nastiness won't arise, but we're beginning to see it for it, what it is. So when we see these people um, running for office who, you know, are just throw vitriol at, at different groups of people, um, we be, you know, people are going. Wow, that's that's not really fair anymore. And so there is, we are, I think, as a culture, beginning to grow up out of our adolescent bullying attitude in becoming more responsible and grown-up human beings. America has that problem, I think, um, sometimes that we still act like we're teenagers because. In terms of most of the rest of the world, our country is very new. <laughs> well, and and I think, too, you know, it's kind of gone to, you know, some parts of the country's head. You know, we have, you know, all the, you know, we're a big country. You know, we have all the bullets and bombs and soldiers. And I think that uh, makes some people think we can just push people around and, you know, have other people do our bidding. And, um, you know, the rest of the world and their needs just don't really count. And, uh you know, I, I saw it when we would travel sometimes. You know, Americans can quickly turn into what we call the ugly American, you know, um, yes. kind of looking down their nose at everybody else. So it, it's a, it, it's reassuring to hear that maybe we're outgrowing that a bit. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing that's happening that's going to help this is there's a square, which is, which is a 90-degree angle, and um, it's a challenge. Okay, and there's a square between um, Neptune and Pisces. Neptune is the planet of spirituality and imagination, and Pisces is the collective unconscious. So it's bringing up all the old stories, and it's bringing up all the places people are hurt, because the collective unconscious is where we throw all the things we don't want to look at. And so the pain and the worry and the anguish of people who are sick and dying and women who are abandoned and children who are abandoned and abused, all of these issues are being brought up now that Neptune's in Pisces. But now Saturn, the planet of responsibility and limits, has gone into Sagittarius, so they're 90 degrees away from each other, Sagittarius and Pisces. And what's happening is now we have to look at the myths of ourselves and see where we're delusional or where they really don't fit. And so I think as Americans, with these four full total eclipses right over America, because total eclipses don't always happen over one part of the world um, in a row, and to have four is quite big. Um, and so, you know, it, it's saying we need to look at our myths and see where they're not real anymore, where we're, you know, America, the beautiful America, uh, the home of the brave. Well, are we? Are we? Or is that just a story that we've heard so many times it's become a stereotype? And mm-hmm. so with the in these next few years, all of us, I think, will have to come up against 
if we say this is who we are, then we better step up to the plate and be it. Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, I didn't realize until you just said that, Kathy, that the eclipses, um, I hadn't really thought about how they're positioned in the sky, but you're saying that they were directly over the United States, and that was um, significant. Um, it's almost as if, you know, the sacred feminine, if you think of her as the cosmos, she's like working on us over time, uh, trying to help us get our stuff together, helping us, you know, maybe yes. try to grow up and raise our vibration and our awareness so that, uh, you know, we, we can become better people. Right. Because really, what tribe in what world lets teenage boys run the world? Okay, excuse me, I just got passionate, but really, because the American psyche is so young, and the people running our country have sort of that middle of the, you know, regular young psyche of, you know, we're bullies, or we have to fight, or, you know, they're not grown Mm -hmm. up. Um, And and so, and you know, you would think an older country with wiser people and more ancient history would be the world leader, but they're not. And and spread this, you know, sort of uh, adolescent bullying all through the world, which is patriarchy, of course. And I think the reason we dictate things, too, is because we were founded right before the Industrial Revolution, and all of the big robber barons came to America to exploit our resources in the land. And so all of the big corporations really are American corporations, and that's what's running the world. And they are bullies. Yeah, it's it's more of the flies. (laughs) Yeah, no, let's let's eat everybody up until we're the only ones standing. And so, you know, so these eclipses are so important because it's all about diplomacy. Libra is about diplomacy. Aries is about warriors, not soldiers. Soldiers just do what they're told without thinking. Warriors are conscious and they make their own choices. So it's about how do we have conscious warriors who stand up for relationship and peace and diplomacy. Um, right. And that goes for all of us on a local level as well, you know. Okay. So, I know we're running, well, we have time, but, you know, I think so those eclipses in that last one, and especially because it was at the harvest moon, what are we harvesting? How are we relating to people? Are we standing in our truth, or are we still trying to slip away and not deal with people in a kind but confronting way if they need to be confronted? Um, you know, so... It, you know, isn't that asking us to step up and be adults? Because most of the time, we most of us don't want to deal with that. <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. You know, yeah, we'd rather yeah. stay angry at someone who treats us the wrong way rather than saying, you know, that's really, I don't really need that anymore. Yeah, I hear you. Well, uh, so um, and, and so the the effects of that eclipse sort of lingers on. It's not like it happens that night and it's over. I mean, it sort of stays with us a while, right? Oh, yeah. It stays with us up to six months to a year, um, okay. you know, until maybe next April when there'll be okay. a full moon in Aries, and a, I mean a full moon in Libra and a, the sun in Aries. So, yes, and, and of course we're still, because the sun is in Libra, which is a cardinal sign, it turns the season. So um, a cardinal sign, the cardinal signs are the seasonal changes like winter solstice um, is Capricorn and Spring equinox is Aries, and summer solstice is Cancer, and fall equinox is Libra. So they turn the seasons. 
So once again, remember we've talked about it, that, that square from the 60s that is changing the world. Now this um, Libra sun is resonating to that again. It's saying we have to change. We have to bring about change. And um, and so all of this is just, it's just like a tsunami. And, and there are the waves, they just come. And you think, oh, good, there's a quiet period. And then it comes again. And then okay. it sort of slows away, right? So All right. Well, um, well, well, that's Another good to know. That, so even though we talked about it a little late, it's all still relevant. So that's... Uh, Oh, you know, that's, totally relevant, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, well, you know, so for the next, uh, you know, 15 minutes or so that we have you with us, um, can you tell us what we have in store for the, you know, maybe the next month or so? Okay, well, a few important things. Um, tomorrow, today, Venus, the planet of the goddess, um, went retrograde this summer in July, at the end of July. And... Um, and so it was in the sign of Leo for almost three months. Um, it went, it's, um, you could say at, at summer solstice, Venus was at a, a certain degree in Leo, at four, 15 degrees of Leo. And then it went forward into the very beginning of Virgo, and then it went retrograde. And it went back to 15 degrees Leo, and then went forward again. So we're at the very end of that phase in which you, in, in the next day or two, Venus will be back in the beginning of Virgo, and that will have completed this retrograde cycle. And so it's so interesting that Venus in in Leo is is the queen and says, look at me. And so the fact that she's coming out more is so beautiful to see. So everybody think back to what went on at summer solstice, um, you know, and, and, and how have you developed your and that your love life or your creativity or your sense of pleasure and beauty or your wisdom okay any of those wonderful things that venus can be and is she was an evening star when it began and then she became a morning star so she began she ended a whole cycle and um, because usually we think the morning star and then it goes down and then it becomes the evening star and then it goes back into the morning star. So Venus is renewed. How are we as women, as goddess women and queens, as Ava calls us, how are we going to go into the world? Um, and in Virgo, it says, how can we be of service? How can we bring uh, the love of the goddess into the world in service? Our, our teenage girls definitely need us. They need better guides. Older women need need it too. Our married women need community and not to be locked up in little boxes with babies all by themselves. So there's so much work that goddess women can do and that we're called to do and I think with Venus finally getting to that beginning of Virgo where she began her retrograde journey, now it's like a slingshot. Now we can go forward and in this fall and winter season, perhaps find ways to bring the goddess into the world more fully. Okay. Okay. So All right. then the other thing that's happening, and that's good, isn't it? I think. Oh, oh yeah, 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 most definitely. Yeah. So everybody who has, take one last deep breath tonight with Venus and Leo. She knows how to party and she knows how to have fun. Once she goes into Virgo tomorrow, it will be much more serious um, and getting down to business, if you will. So raise a cup tonight 
to the goddess. If you, um, and then the other thing that's going on is on Friday, the uh, Mercury, the little devil, it has been retrograde for three weeks, and now it will be turning around and going direct again. So everybody oh, is in fear of <laughs> Mercury retrograde. Just give it this weekend. Give it a few days to actually change direction. And by next week, things should be flowing again. And um, okay. and then on Monday is the new moon in Libra. So we have a new moon coming up as well. So okay. there's so many delicious seeds to plant this month. Lots of okay? opportunities. So plant, yeah, you know, plant the seed of beauty and truth and Venus being, you know, shining her light in the world in service. Plant a seed of proper and balanced relationships. Plant the seed of good communication because <laughs> that's what makes a relationship is good communication. Um, and, you know, get rid of the delusions and the old stories that just don't hold true. And if you want to make them true, then act on them. But don't hold on to them unconsciously. Like, America is, you know, exceptional. No, America is a bratty teenager. Okay? And teenagers need focus. Sorry. And, I'm uh, having a, a, a little bit of a frog in my throat for some reason. I, I apologize. I, I think I'm it's uh, okay. I'm okay. <laughs> it could be allergy. I, be well, no, allergy. I, I, I think I think it is. It's really been terrible. I, I apologize. I didn't mean to mess up your train of thought. It's okay. It's okay. So, you know, that's pretty much what we have going. And we are at the harvest. We're at the turning of the year. We have to change, you know, we have to change our focus, if you will, refocus ourselves into a different phase. Um, the, after the harvest, you know, the seeds go to sleep, we can the food, we prepare to hunker down for winter. I know that out here we don't get winter, but I'm going to be back in New England, so I'm going to um, channel all of you the snow and the winter. I wish there was a way you could send us that snow. We could sure use the water here in California. You could. <laughs> and, and the thing is, what I love about winter is you actually get to go and quiet down and go into the dark and and let things gestate, which means maybe not do so much thinking and acting, but more dreaming and, and art artistry. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, and, and it, it feels really so good at this time of year. You know, it's like you, I, I don't know, for me, I, I, I sort of, don't feel guilty for uh, not being so busy. You know, I, I just sort of let right. myself it, it sort of, you know, drift and dream, you know, almost like a feather in the wind, you know, kind of just go wherever, um, you know, the energy sort of takes me. And, uh, you know, and then around Christmas time, I, I probably, you know, start to get a little antsy, you know, wondering, well, you know, you know, what am I going to manifest next year? <laughs> that's right. But, uh, but, that's but at least time. take a few this weeks off. It's time to let things die and and just drift through the underworld. And then at, Chris, and then at um, winter solstice, it's the rebirth of the light. Something new is going to be born. We don't know what it is yet, but we do get antsy, right? Yeah, yeah. And, anticipating, you know, it's like... Uh, because uh, heaven forbid, you know, without a project to start the year off, what would we do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true. 
It's true, but you know what? Um, I think that I, I think it's okay because Mother Earth herself, you know, starts to prepare to her growing season again. And I think when we hook into the Earth's rhythms, we just want to naturally grow. And so the the thing is not to drive ourselves crazy over it or feel guilty over it. And definitely, these next two or three months is it's it's about the death. And you know, you can't make believe you're dying. You can't go, oh, yeah, I'm dying, and then not really do it. You have to really let everything go. It's like our culture, our, our, our financial system is a zombie. Um, it's a walking dead. Um, they keep propping it up, but it should be dead. And we do the same thing. We go, oh, oh, I can't, I can't just really let go and, and not know anything and go into chaos. I have to just keep something going. And um, if we actually let that darkness come in and just sort of lie fallow for a while, I think we become much more productive and um, and fertile. You know, it's like we wear off the soil otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, you know, here, you know, when, when it's the natural inclination to, um, you know, to, to sort of unplug, uh, you know, is when we're getting all the outside messages to, uh, you know, gear up for parties and spend money and shop and, um, you know, maybe part of the reason it's it feels so stressful is because we're really going against, um, you know, the natural currents, um, you know, of, of, of goddess and the earth. And, uh, you know, we're not in sync. You know, we're not in sync with her yeah. energies. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think so. Well, does well, that I think that's it, pretty much all. Okay. Um, well, Kathy, please uh, remind listeners, uh, it's been a while since you've been with us, remind them uh, how they can reach you and which uh, what services you offer in case, uh, you know, they'd like to get in touch and, um, you know, uh, avail themselves of some of uh, your readings and things. Okay, thank you. Yes, I do Jungian dream work, and I have to say it's my favorite talent that I have because I think our dreams tell us, give us our wisdom from the soul. And I am a good dream interpreter. But, I mean, part of it is once you learn to understand symbolic language, you too will be able to really do a good job with your dreams. I am an astrologer, and I think that lays out the blueprint of your life, and it tells you timing rhythm. I also help people write because I'm a mythologist, so when people want to write something but they need the mythic structure, I do do that. Um, one of the things I am going to do is I'm going to work with the Wheel of the Year and do online, um, I don't know what you call them, teleclasses, Skype calls, I don't know what we're going to do. Um, but at each wheel, at each gateway of the Wheel of the Year, I'm going to talk about different goddesses. So in November, November 2nd, I'm going to hold a call on Anana and Erish Spiegel about how we go down into the darkness and what we discover there and um, and own our shadows so that when winter solstice comes, we can be with the Divine Mother, give birth to the light. So I'm going to work with things like that. Anyway, my website is um, www.wisdom-of-astrology.com. That's wisdom-of-astrology.com. How's that? Okay. Sounds great, and I'm so glad uh, so glad you're back with us. Thank you so much uh, for sharing tonight. Um, you know, glad to hear your voice again, Kathy, and uh, hope to see you uh, sometime soon. Good to be here, Karen. Love you, and good luck with everything next week when you're at the Parliament. Have a wonderful time. 
Oh, thank you. Uh, that's so kind of you. I really appreciate it. I'll do my best. <laughs> You'll do great. We knew. You'll shine out for the goddess and for all of us. Thank you. Okay. Good night. Well, um, uh, coming up next uh, is uh, Tanishka, and uh, our theme tonight is uh, Rebirthing the World as We Know It. Um, hi, Tanishka. I see you're there on the switchboard. Hi, Karen. So you managed to get in okay, and uh, uh, no glitches tonight. I'm glad to see that, since uh, we do still have a day or so of Mercury retrograde left. Yeah, it's daring of us, but yes, I'm here, and and gratefully so. Okay. Well, you know what? Let me just uh, introduce you to listeners uh, by reading part of your bio, and then uh, we'll jump in and have our chat, okay? Sure thing. So, um, dear listeners, Tanishka is best known as Facebook's Moon Woman with half a million followers of her daily guidance. She's a best-selling author of four beautiful books and teacher of Kundalini Awakening teachings and practices with 20 years experience. Her books, Oracle decks, meditation CDs, and online courses assist people to awaken the inner energy meridians of the sacred feminine and sacred masculine by understanding and empowering the seven facets of the god and goddess within which governs the chakras or energy centers. Uh, Tanishka is passionate about building strong individuals, relationships, and communities through the ancient practice of men and women gathering and sharing circles once a month to nurture the qualities of transparency and accountability. She's trained over 700 women to create monthly sisterhood circles in 32 countries via her online Red Tent Facilitator course, and she's created an equivalent online course for men. A former stand-up comedian, she's an entertaining keynote speaker at festivals around the world who also conducts live events worldwide, including Inner Goddess and Rite of Passage teacher trainings, retreats, sacred site pilgrimage, and speaking tours. Her latest book, The 28-Day Happy Challenge, is a not-for-profit project to support those affected by human trafficking, including the children orphaned in the April 25th Nepal earthquake. And for more information about this project, you can visit 28dayhappychallenge.com. And for more information on Tanishka, and I'll ask you to repeat this later, um, you can go to one of her websites, storeofishtar.com, storeofishtar.com. And she also has, uh, I think she might have her new website up, she can tell us, which is her name, tanishka.net. So I'm so glad to have you with us tonight, and, and welcome to the show. Thank you, and a big hi to all of your listeners. So um, thanks for tuning in, and and also to those that have come in via the Moon Woman from all over the planet. But uh, lovely to connect with those of you in the state. Well, now you're you're calling in from Australia, aren't you? Yeah, so it was interesting hearing you speak about the Harvest Moon because we're coming into Beltane, into the springtime here. But, um, yeah, the wheel continues to turn. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, sometimes uh, we forget that uh, you on the opposite side of the world, uh, you're experiencing a whole different season uh, than we are, you know, and it's not just a, a few weeks different. It's, uh, it's you know, the opposite side of uh, of the wheel of the year there. So um, 
So, Tanishka, you have been, uh, uh, you know, doing a lot of work in the world, uh, teaching ancient wis- uh, women's wisdom uh, and traditions for two decades. Was there anything in particular that uh, led you to it? Yeah, desperation. Um, you know, I grew up like so many women at the end of 5,000 years of patriarchal consciousness, not valuing the feminine because I didn't understand it. I didn't have positive role models. And I felt almost like a drag queen, you know, dressing up like a woman but not feeling uh, deep love of the feminine. And so one night I found myself, you know, just overcome with desperation. Uh, my life was toxic. I'd felt betrayed by people just over the struggle of daily life, doing a job that was draining me. And I got down on my knees. And I said to the universe, if you want me to be a woman, send me some role models. And within two weeks, my life completely fell apart. And I was initiated into women's mysteries by a beautiful woman called Jen Powell. Wow, we, so that you know, that's just beginning. to show we we better um, we better be ready for what we wish for or what we pray for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the power of word. Yeah, and so I ended up living in a little um, solar-powered cottage at the end of Seven Bridges Road, a la Snow White, on top of an underground lake, which was a very fertile place for channeling. And so I spent uh, a full gestation cycle, um, just over nine months, living there, and that's where I brought through the teachings for my first book, um, The Inner Goddess Makeover. So you so you started from scratch. I mean, in the in that nine months, you um, you know you you taught yourself this, you know, with the help of uh, the mentor that you mentioned. <coughs> well, what happened was I um, had started looking into trying to find a circle uh, because I, I went away with a girlfriend and her wonderful eccentric aunt Mim had a book on witchcraft which we found. And they referred to witches uh, calling their cats or familiars Wilkins. And my pet name for my cat as a child was Little Pussy Wilkins. So I went, oh, my goodness, I think I'm a witch. Um, and I, so I tried to find a circle and I couldn't. You know, this was 1996 and you couldn't, you know, find anything in Australia at that time. And so... Um, I was doing a cabaret show, I was working as a comedian and doing a cabaret show with a couple of drag queens um, out of town, as you do, and uh, the women that crewed our show were involved in a goddess circle. This was a couple of hours out of Melbourne and they said, I think you should come to one of our goddess workshops, which Jen Powell uh, facilitated, and that was like removing the veil. And so... um, you know, Jen mentored me um, through that nine-month process, but what it did was um, enable me to remember. So, you know, once that veil was removed, it was like a floodgate of um, the initiations and the teachings that I had studied and received in many um, lifetimes of service to the Sacred Feminine. It's interesting. So before you, um, um, you know, asked and received and, you know, ended up um, in in that interesting, you know, cottage over the water, had you actually done any channeling or any of that before or was all of that brand new? Um, I had... 
for five or six years done a, a, a number of personal growth, you know, workshops and read self-help books. So, um, but it was more garden variety spirituality. It wasn't goddess focused. So I this see. was the first foray into the teachings <laughs> of the sacred feminine and, and ancient women's customs. No, I understand. Well, and you know, um I'm I'm curious too, you know, when I read that you've trained over 700 women and um and you create sisterhood circles. You know, forgive me for asking this, but women can be difficult. Um and <laughs> sisterhood circles. I mean, I I think about some of the first circles I entered, you know, and they and at the door you were supposed to say in perfect love and perfect trust. And you know you you know you usually found out a couple of years later. Well, it was anything but that. <laughs> you know, I, I guess I, I wonder. You know, have you um, have you run into that? I guess with with what our uh, famous feminist uh, Phyllis Chesler, you know, wrote her book about women's inhumanity to woman. Um, and you know, have you? And you know, how have you dealt with it in order to maybe? help women heal so that they can um, become the best uh, version of themselves? That is a great question. You know, um, the feminine shadow is something collectively and personally that we need to confront, address and acknowledge. And what I find so powerful about the practice of Red Tent, which is what I train women to facilitate, is that it is held during the dark moon when women's shadow traits are most uh, up, you know, most prevalent. And so the practice is all about women being able to uh, reflect upon their own unconscious thoughts uh, and patterns of behavior and what their lesson has been in the previous month using Oracle as a springboard to be honest with themselves and accountable and transparent with their sisters, it's a process for owning the shadow. So as we go around the circle, rather than each person just, you know, um, going on and on about their latest drama, which can create a negative vortex and drain people's energy, it's uplifting because instead we're focusing on the insight, the lesson, bringing light into our own personal shadow which creates a positive vortex and this heals all the betrayals that we have felt woman to woman from the mean girls in high school, you know, right through which is often, you know, when women hear, oh, come to a women's gathering, unconsciously that can be the resistance, you know, that women can outwardly be um, preaching sisterhood but... Uh, be unconsciously, you know, sending daggers through, you know, um, unconscious ill uh, thoughts towards each other or or words or even just, you know, the old evil eye giving someone a, a death stare or exclusion, which is very much the feminine shadow of bullying. Um, yeah, yeah, ostracize, boycott. <laughs> yeah. So I have five planets in Scorpio. One of my gifts is to help people um, accept and embrace their shadow, which is, um, you know, fierce self-love. And and so the red tent is about creating a womb space that is so safe. 
for women to acknowledge their deepest, darkest, taboo thoughts and feelings about themselves and the world at large. So in other words, in the red tent, I mean, just as an example, you know, a woman may, you know, to to be specific about what you just said, you know, to put it in real mm-hmm. terms, um, a, a woman may say, well, you know, I, I, you know, maybe came to realize that I've been hard on this particular woman because I've uh, resented her success or I've been jealous or, I mean, they actually say those sorts of things. Is that what you mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Um and, you know, a circle is only as strong as the intention that is set um, and the facilitator that keeps everybody accountable, you know. So where, um, you know, one is uh, perhaps slipping into a story of blame, a good facilitator will just gently inspire and probe them to look at and what was their lesson in that so keep Mm -hmm. bringing it back to what was my lesson you know what was the reflection what was the mirror um and so in that environment people are um affirmed and validated when they own their shadow you know so it promotes that rather than being shamed um or exposed um, for you know admitting their weaknesses, which is very much the patriarchal mindset, which still a lot of women carry. Yeah, well, and I would imagine too. I mean, you know, some of the difficulties that I've had with women early on. I mean, it you know, it really sort of forced me to either become a hairball in the corner and just fade into oblivion, mm. or it it um, you know, you sort of had to find your sacred roar, you know, your backbone and. To figure out who you were, you know, and and it helped. Um, I, I don't know. I think it helped me define myself. And so, in a way, I almost thank, um, uh, you know, some of the women for uh, some of the experiences I had, you know, early on as a priestess. Because, in a way, I think it the uh, adversity uh, or the challenges really turned out to be gifts in a way. Absolutely, and I, I have had similar experiences I imagine that if you're uh, working with the feminine of course you're going to be bringing the shadow into the light so uh, as people that set themselves up to be leaders or teachers or authority figures you can become a target for people projecting their shadow you know they might put you on a pedestal and then when they realize that you are human and (laughs) your crap stinks as much as anybody then they can want to crucify you for not being their saviour, you know, um, yeah. and and so betrayal between uh, sisters cuts really, really deep, but ultimately those are grains of sand that create the real pearls of wisdom within us. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, Tanishka, um, you know, as far as uh, teachers go, do you think it's important, um, you know, for women or maybe women or men uh, to have a teacher or a guru? Um, look, every path is individual. However, a guide um, <coughs> is very helpful in helping to pierce the light it might be a word or a perception that's offered or an insight that acts as a as a beacon, as a way shower to help us out of that dark labyrinth of the rational mind uh, which can keep us lost in a maze. So, um, yes, I believe that, um, you know, it's 
when we uh, are ready, the teacher does appear, and that can be anybody from the checkout chick to, you know, um, somebody wearing robes. However, at the end of the day, I do feel that the heart within is the ultimate wisdom to follow. It's the highest inner authority, that intuition. But often in our modern world, people can become so detached from the wisdom of the heart that we need a bit of guidance in how to be heart-centered, how to reconnect to our heart, to our, our inner voice. And personally, I find nature is the best way to do that. Um, I mean, you've only got to look at the color of nature, which is green. It brings us home to that heart center, which emanates the green ray. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not <clears throat> into devoting oneself to a guru. I think it's very... Um, good to be discerning um, and always at the end of the day follow your own inner guidance yeah yeah i I agree you know i I, I think it was um oh I, I I might have it wrong, but I think it it might have been Charlene Spretnak uh, who wrote about uh, the power deprived and she uh, in her book she talked about you know, people who are marginalized out in the mainstream world, sometimes they become leaders in alternative spirituality groups because they're, you know, they're really just looking for people to uh, worship them. And oftentimes, you know, they find uh, sheeple, you know, only too willing, uh, you know, to do that. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you do have to be careful um, you know, or or these leaders, uh, is it all about their ego, or um, you know, do they really have valuable insights to share? And uh, but you never know what the lesson is you're supposed to get because you know, even if you do encounter someone like that, and you find yourself, um, you know, sort of at the at the foot of a person like that's pedestal, so to speak. Um, you know, there may be something to learn there as well. You know, even I, I, it's interesting how sometimes we uh, the things we discover um, isn't what we actually thought we um, maybe entered a group to learn. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. And um, you know, I'm really uh, feeling that at this time in our evolution as a species, we are here to explore both. The, the extreme polarity of our light and shadow to see the divine within us as well as to see our, our humanness and our, our wounded ego. Um, and if we get caught up with worshipping the divine outside of us in a human form, um, it can actually get in the way of us seeing our own divinity. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah, then we're looking outside we ourselves. I'm sorry, go ahead, say again. I, I was just saying, ultimately, we should outgrow a teacher. If the teacher yeah. is doing their job, they should empower us to grow beyond them. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, and, and, and I think you have to uh, be cognizant of that, you know, is it maybe somebody's just, you know, keeping you hanging on because, uh, you know, maybe you're a source of their income. You know, sometimes that... Uh, uh, you know, that can be a problem. But, um, you know, I, I know you mentioned the Whirling Rainbow Prophecy. In fact, that was almost the title of our show. Um, yeah. it, it, it was, tell us about the Whirling Rainbow Prophecy. What What is that, and, and why is it important right now? Oh, 
it is an ancient Hopi uh, Native American prophecy which I first was introduced to through Jamie Sams that wrote the Sacred Path deck and the Medicine Cards uh, Oracle deck. And the prophecy says that there will come a day when people of all races, all colours, all creeds will learn to uh, put aside their differences and instead focus on what they have in common, on their oneness. And, um, you know, we are living in transition times. You know, when Kathy was speaking about the final um, eclipse, the, the blood moon we had in that tetrad, my intuitive knowing is that that heralds our shift into the birthing process of Gaia stepping it up into the transition phase which is when things start to reach uh, an intensity when we see we enter the the real crossroads time of um, the void of the death of the old way of being um, so that the new can be born and so when there's so much um, what would you say darkness around you know where we're really becoming acutely aware of the devastation on our planet and the state of social breakdown um, it's very important for people to remember this is just the death phase of the birth it's not the end of the story you know that Mm -hmm. nature is cyclic and so um for me, the Whirling Rainbow Prophecy is a, a very important teaching um, at this time. It said that, you know, this is when we would learn how to see and hear in a sacred manner. Men and women would be equals the way the Creator intended them to be. Children would be safe anywhere they went. Elders would be respected. It's about coming back to living in sacred balance, living in a state of communion or sacred union with self with brother, sister, and with uh, all of existence by living in alignment with the natural cycles. And mm. so the whirling rainbow is, you know, it's like that uh, auric field, whether it's around us or around the earth, but um, each one of us becoming the rainbow bridge, opening and clearing the seven gates, which are the energy centers, the chakras, that each emanate one of the different colour rays of the rainbow so that we each become a vessel for anchoring heaven on earth. Well, you know, that that uh, it, it sounds delicious. And, and <laughs> certainly, you know, certainly what we're all striving for. Um, but, and, and, and I hate to say but, but, you know, when we turn on the news and we have you know, what sometimes feels like the threat of World War Three happening over in Syria, you know, like we just wonder, will the next um, accident between the United States and Russia turn into some sort of ugly confrontation? Will, you know, will something happen between, you know, Iran and, and Israel? And, you know, you wonder... Um, how, with that sort of conflict, uh, with you know, with the kind of hate that goes on between the Sunnis and the Shias and the you know the Israelis and the Palestinians, I mean, even here in the United States, between the liberals and the conservatives and the, you know, I mean, it's like, oh, can we really get there? You know, there's so yeah. much. Uh, you know, it seems like the opposite swirling out there. You know, how does you know, how does that actually shift? Okay. 
Look, it's all the divine plan. There is, um, you know, there's no mistake. So um, I wrote about this, um, you know, conflict that you're speaking of. I mean, Syria was the home of Mari, the Magdalene. So for me, it's very symbolic that uh, where the sacred feminine has been the most suppressed is also now where we have the most uh, violent persecution. Uh, of the feminine and things are, are most unstable so um, this is if you will the the final showdown of the unconscious masculine on our planet it's like if you will a fight between Godzilla and King Kong that we we may mm-hmm. see play out in the next two years is my intuitive knowing but mm-hmm. it's so important that those of us that um, you know, know uh, and experience a connection uh, from our heart to the mother, to Gaia, Mother Earth, that we are all here on the planet at this time to be midwives for the rebirth. And whilst we may see images on the news or, um, you know, online in the media that really threaten to plug in our fear-based lower self, so those bottom three chakras you know which is the infant the child and the teenager um and in doing so we actually add to the drama in the collective whereas if we can stay in the heart and trust that this is the end of the old era playing itself out and that ultimately um you know everybody is playing their role you know that we are wearing the robes of humans there is a much bigger galactic picture playing out here and that this is the swan song of the old era which will finally wake people up to we have to do this differently so you know for women in particular i encourage them to really give their moon flow their sacred blood back to the earth to help balance the bloodshed caused through the unconscious acts of the wounded masculine. Um, the more that we focus on creating community, on reclaiming our ancient sacred traditions, make that our focus, we help um, you know, midwife the new. And the thing to remember is on the 21st of the 12th, 2012, our planet Earth, moved in to the rings of Alcyon, to that spiralling up around the great central sun in the constellation of the Pleiades. So the only way is up. We are accelerating our consciousness. The light will prevail, but this is the dark before the dawn. You know, I've I've felt that. You know, I've I've said often. You know, we this is what it's like to live every day in the evolution. You know, we can't see the end yet. You know, we haven't accomplished it, but we know we're moving forward. You know, even though sometimes it feels like it's two steps forward, one step back. You know, or or something like that. You know, we we are uh, in the evolution, and you know, we talk about the end of the patriarchy. Um, but we better 
um, you know, like you're, you're saying, you know, uh, her priestesses, you know, women like us who, and men too, you know, who revere the yeah. sacred feminine, you know, we have to be there ready to offer the alternative to the patriarchal order. And uh, I think that's so important too because I think when people are afraid, they'll cling to the old even if it's, not the best thing for them because they might not know that there is an alternative. So we have to be there, I think, ready, willing, and able, uh, you know, to step into, um, I, I don't know, I guess you'd say maybe, you know, sort of a, a, a position of guidance or leadership uh, to show people, you know, just relax, take a breath. You know, we've, we've got this, you know, there, there is another way we're all going to be just fine. Absolutely. You know, when people are in crisis um, and we are coming into a time of accelerated crisis um, of, you know, that void space, people will be cracked open like mustard seeds being heated up in a pan, which makes us uh, vulnerable and we reach out more for community when we're vulnerable and, and we look for nurturance. I know here with the bushfires that we've had, you know, the communities. Um, have been held by women that just kept a vigil of cooking food and giving counsel and cups of tea to people that didn't have any sort of real, um, you know, defined spirituality. So it's putting it, embodying the sacred feminine, which is to love unconditionally, to offer a sense of belonging, which is a primal need, just as air, water, shelter and food is and the more we um, offer people um, you know community spaces that are non-judgmental and a a way of connecting back to the earth whether that's through community gardens and I really recommend people grow food now is the time um, because things will become more unstable as the old paradigm uh, dismantled and so those that are co-creating with the mother that are living close to the mother um, will be able to gracefully transition a lot more than those that are living in a disconnected way so right. um, the vision that I've had is um, of red tents first and foremost because in the Native American tradition if you wanted to destroy a village you simply destroyed the moon lodge because it was the heart of the village it's where the women gathered it's where the wisdom keepers sat to meditate on behalf of the greater good so to reinstate the moon lodge as a tradition in every single uh, neighborhood to support women to then hold the rest of the community, to hold their families, to hold each other during these transition times is absolutely key. And then, of course, you know, nurturance, food. Right. Well, and I wonder what you think about this. You know, as, you know, we're on this, um, on the cusp here of, uh, climate change, and uh, you know, we're watching on the news here the devastation in South Carolina with the flooding, and we have the wildfires and the drought in California, and um, I mean, who knows what the Northeast is going to have if their winter is going to be like last winter. It, it's yeah. almost as if you know this climate change, this nature that is the sacred feminine. Sometimes I've wondered if this 
these catastrophic things that we've sort of brought on ourselves. I don't know. I find it almost interesting that um, it it may be nature and her her uh, ferocity um, that that may actually be the thing that brings us together out of um, necessity, out of desperation, because, you know, it won't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat or a Muslim or a Christian. You know, if you're, you know, trying to escape the rising water or you have no water, I mean, those sort of, you know, those sort of external trappings just fall away as we, um, you know, we, we just have to be human and survive together. Absolutely. Crisis brings out both the best and the worst. It reveals, you know, whether we're operating out of just that scared, wounded child self or whether we've integrated the other aspects of ourself and we're operating out of all those chakras, you know, the the rainbow bridge. Um, So those that are will, people will look to them for guidance, to be pillars of light in their community and to show the way how to... to, um, you know, operate from a consciousness of oneness. If I was in your shoes, what would I need? You know, and yeah. treat people with that level of compassion, which ultimately was Jesus' teaching. You know, it's become so yeah. distorted after 2,000 years of the Piscean Age, which explored duality, you know. But ultimately, yeah. there there is no separation between sacred, feminine, and masculine. It's time for us to, to um, you know, dissolve those veils of illusion. Yeah, and well, and would that be what you refer to as uh, living in the sacred union? Well, the sacred union is about restoring the balance. And, you know, when we speak about climate change and the extreme uh, cold and extreme heat that we now uh, are experiencing on the planet, it is a hologram of our own personal inner lack of balance. So we are fractals of Gaia. We, if we create more balance within ourselves, we help heal the collective consciousness, including the planet. So I, both in my Sacred Union books, but also the online course, I teach people how to live in alignment with the solar cycle, the lunar cycle, and the seasonal cycle. Because if we are dominant with our masculine self, so... You know, we're very much ruled by the rational mind. We're always go, 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 do, 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 and we can't just stop and be. Then chances are we really need to connect with the lunar cycle to help heal and empower our inner feminine. Whether or not we are physically a male or a female is irrelevant, really. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and similarly, for those that are dominated by their feminine, um, but have a disempowered masculine. So we see this a lot in our young men who are smoking pot and staying up through the night through the lunar energy. They're very passive. They're lost in the Netherlands, you know. And so um, they need to be aligning with the solar wheel uh, by getting up with the dawn, by doing a dawn practice um, so that they can empower their solar fire, their sacred masculine essence. And then the seasonal wheel, you know, the Heros Gamos, the sacred marriage, was about learning to um, honor Mother Nature as the teacher who helps us to grow uh, with her if we acknowledge the lesson at each one of those 
holy days, the sacred gates, the solstices, the equinoxes and the cross-quarter festivals. So what I teach is how those seasonal chakras, those seasonal vortexes impact our psyche and our relationships as well as the impact that the solar and lunar cycle has on our psyche and our relationships. So when we understand those natural cycles, we come into um, balance in how we live our life we create more balance and harmony in our relationships and we live in a state of communion, of feeling at one with self, with brother, sister, with beloved, with uh, community and with, you know, Mother Gaia and, and all of existence. It's, it's, it's um, healing the idea of uh, we are separate from nature. We are part of that concert of... Um, planetary spheres you know when you asked earlier about gurus it's like well each one of the planets is a teacher it's it's an energy and it's constantly moving and aspecting different teachers which bring up different lessons for us but we are living on the earth and so the earth ultimately is our most immediate teacher so if we disconnect from her we lose our way I see. Well, in um in so the what you were just describing um uh you know the harmony and everything that uh uh we would achieve when we start aligning with the natural cycles. Um it, it is it, you know were those the sorts of things you were referring to when you mentioned uh the type of changes people experience when they do start to tap into the natural cycles? Yeah. I mean, I've um, seen so many women that when they start just observing, you know, oh, it's full moon, um, this is a time when I might have an emotional meltdown, and just knowing that um, can give them the awareness to uh, allow themselves to feel what they're feeling rather than trying to suppress it and then, you know, blowing over like a pressure cooker at work at the most inopportune moment. So mm -hmm. um, because women are, are governed by the moon and it, it cycles through us, um, even after we stop menstruating energetically, it continues to cycle within our psyche and our emotions. So it's um, absolutely imperative if, if women want to stop a cycle of, um, comfort eating for instance um, the women that um, you know do my red tent course or follow my moon woman page just by understanding the phase and the sign of the moon every day means that we've got a forecast for ourselves emotionally and as soon as we have context we don't go into oh god I'm so emotional I wish I wasn't like this. Nobody else seems to be like this. They're keeping it all together. And, and almost hating our sensitivities, seeing them as a weakness, which again is very patriarchal through just not understanding the feminine, rather than valuing our sensitivities and befriending them and learning to work with them. Because mm -hmm. ultimately when we align with the lunar cycle, we heighten our intuitive ability to pull through insight. Um, and to perceive through the subtle senses, which helps us to make much more informed choices. Yeah, because then you you know you you uh, end up being sort of uh, proactive, I think, rather than reactive, because you're you know in a way you're basically prepared 
you know you exactly. um yeah yeah it it's another tool in the toolkit to sort of just uh uh, bring awareness and balance uh, to our lives. You know, if you know something is right around the corner, well, you know, you can uh, you can prepare for it. Absolutely, um, and you wouldn't take a, sh- a boat out if if the the forecast was not good. You know, and and anybody yeah. that sails reads, you know, the tides, which are, are completely governed by the the um, gravitational force of the lunar cycle. So. It, you know, we are 70% water, so of course the lunar cycle has a major effect upon our emotions. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for women, it also increases our fertility. And with the lack of, infertil- you know, the amount of infertility currently being experienced by modern women, this again signals how disconnected so many women are from the lunar cycle. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we're we're really just disconnected from nature in general. You know, we spend our days yeah. in front of computers and, uh, you know, we constantly have a phone in our hand or, um, you know, it, it uh, yeah, I mean, it, it yeah, we're, we're just so, so way disconnected. Um, well, yeah. uh, Tanishka, I know you, you know, you've mentioned the chakras already, um, but I know you, you work with the god and goddess archetypes as well. Um, how do the chakras and the gods and goddess archetypes, how does that all fit into your, um, your whirling rainbow prophecy? Um, well, there's a beautiful, um, uh, sort of connection with, you know, we all when we look at a rainbow, it's like, oh, we just feel uplifted, we feel expanded, and it's because, you know, the subconscious uh, speaks in visuals, and ultimately we are light, and when a light when light refracts, we see the seven colours of the rainbow. So when we are vibrating at our highest resonance. All of our chakras, all of our energy centers are open and we are emanating the the seven color rays. And so we have this luminescent quality about us that attracts like moths to a flame, you know. And so what I teach is how people can open those seven gates and... um, you know, do that by understanding the God and the Goddess archetypes, the aspects of those seven faces of the God and the Goddess that reside in each one of those energy centers. And when we understand those universal aspects that play out in our lives, you know, these are the the gods and the goddesses of all the ancient myths of all the indigenous cultures um, that had the same story, the same strengths, the same weaknesses, the same lessons, when we see and identify how they're playing out in our lives, we can uh, change the story, so to speak, so that we are making more empowered choices. And in doing that, we activate those twin serpents, which are the meridians that run from the base, down at the base of the spine, in the base energy center, the chakra, all the way up to the crown. And so when we um, activate these inner gods and goddesses, we um, become uh, youthful. We have, we're more fertile. We have greater health, wholeness, balance because we've you know, activated these energy meridians all the way up uh, to form the caduceus, which is that uh, symbol of healing, which is still used by the medical fraternity as its insignia. 
uh, mm-hmm. which you know depicts that the twin serpents on the central pillar with the wings outstretched. This is the process of um, the Heros Gamos, of creating the sacred marriage within, um, which when we do this within our own energy field, uh, we become whole uh, and life certainly becomes a lot more graceful and we start to feel like we are living a miracle every day. Life becomes easy and graceful rather than the ego feeling separate and feeling life is a struggle you know it's when all those gates are open manifestation becomes very easy um and you know like attracts like so we attract people that are also um open at those gates so the sort of relationships that we have we feel connected at every single level um Mm -hmm. and this also means that we become multi-orgasmic you know that um when we lie with somebody uh, that these archetypes interplay, they interact with each other spontaneously so that the serpents, um, you know, intertwine at all seven gates and uh, we experience openings of bliss at every single level of our souls. So, um, you know, there is a payoff. <laughs> Right, right. Well, for all of for all of that work, uh, it's great that there's such a such a delicious payoff. Well, uh, Tanishka, um, I would imagine that um, um, the work you do is probably um, uh, very much sort of like a year in a day. I, do you take people through a uh, you know the cycle of a year so that they can sort of plug in a lot of the stuff you've been talking about? Um, you know, into their lives throughout the year as the wheel turns? Yeah, I do. Um, my my Sacred Union books um, focus very much on that. The Sacred Union course that I run doesn't go for the year and a day. Instead, what that does is it takes people uh, starting at the autumn equinox down um, through the Shadowlands through that annual descent through autumn or fall and winter um, so that you emerge at the spring equinox uh, feeling, you know, reborn um, and having been to the absolute, um, you know, bottom of the well and open Pandora's box at every gate of the chakras and married the god and goddess within. Um, And if we do that on a cyclic basis, we become, you know, a man for all seasons or a woman for all seasons and then we're less likely to want to trade our partner in for a uh, a younger model but instead <laughs> revere, you know, that um, as as with all of life, relationships are cyclic in nature. Right, right. Well, um, you know, I, uh, I we're about coming to the end here uh, of our conversation, and if there was anything I haven't asked that uh, uh, is important and you feel you uh, want to share, I you know wanted to give you the opportunity before we say good night. Oh, bless. Look, I there is two things I'd love to say. One is when Kathy spoke earlier about you know the. Um, stasis of the teenager running the world and I don't think it's just in America I think it's in the western world psyche Um, what I feel is most needed is rites of passage for all of us to grow up 
Um, and I've got a, a free talk which I did at the Goddess Temple of Orange County back in June, which people can watch on um, the 28 Day Happy Challenge website, um, where I speak about the archetypes of mother and father, which sit in the heart chakra and how we can awaken those. So that might be helpful for viewers. Um, okay. But also I speak about uh, the Holy Grail in my live talks and this is the ultimate kingship initiation for men which used to happen at winter solstice. It is not about dynastic blood um, lines. That is a, a patriarchal whitewash of what the Holy Grail was. It was the most sacred initiation rite of the sacred feminine um, to the, the sacred masculine. So I'll be bringing um, more information about that in my next book, which is Volume 3 of Sacred Union. Okay. All right. um, and, and the other, the, I was just going to say, the other thing is I'm, I'm uh, putting out for uh, 13 women and 13 men who feel called to join me in Glastonbury, the heart chakra of the world next year for the Grand Venus Conjunction, the Fixed Royal Cross, uh, to do a series of sacred ceremonies to anchor sacred union within the world soul on our planet. So mm. uh, if anyone's interested in that, feels a calling to know more, um, I'll be launching information about that when I get back from Bali in a couple of weeks uh, on okay. my website. So um, okay. there's, a, there's an e-club that's free. People can join so they get updates about events on, on my website. All right. Well, would you mind um, giving your websites again? Yeah, sure. Thank you. It's um, star, S-T-A-R, of, O-F, Ishtar, I-S-H-T-A-R, dot com. So that's star of Ishtar, dot com. And, um, yes, I will be bringing out um, uh, Tanishka.net in the next few weeks, but we're a bit behind schedule there. (laughs) Okay, that's all right. Well, um, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. It's been very interesting. And uh, safe travels to Bali. And um, I'm so glad we had a chance to meet, uh, you know, at the Goddess Temple. I think your books are beautiful. And I've enjoyed talking to you tonight. I think... um, you know, I think you have some, you know, wonderful insight and wisdom, and I appreciate you sharing it with listeners. Thank you so much. I, yeah, I'm very grateful to have met you and enjoyed hearing you speak at the temple, and and very grateful to have been able to connect with all uh, the the men and women that are tuned to you as as a beacon of guidance. So thank you. Oh well, you know, let's make sure we stay in touch and. Uh, uh, when your when your next uh, book comes out, please let me know, and we'll have you back, and we'll chat more about that. I'm really interested in this uh, Holy Grail thing that uh, uh, that you. that you've kind of teased us with. You'll have to tell us more. Yeah, look, absolutely. I did do a speaking tour of America, um, speaking about the Grail last year, uh, and I'll be taking it to the UK in 2016. But um, I will be putting those teachings into book form so it's more accessible um, and plan to release that book in 2016. Okay, sounds like a plan. Well, the best of luck to you with everything and uh, let's stay in touch and uh, you're always welcome back. Thank you so much. Have a lovely evening. Thank you. You're welcome. Bless. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. 
Um, well, dear listeners, I think you probably enjoyed that as much as I did. And uh, as uh, we uh, come to the end of the show, uh, not quite done yet. Uh, I have a few more things for you. Uh, first, um, this outtake uh, from Fem Women Healing the World, uh, yours truly, uh, just a quick two minutes. It should start anyway. Well, we have had a one-sided view of the divine. And the reason we've had a one-sided view of the divine is because the myths that uh, our society lives by are the myths that only speak about a male god. When, in fact, a goddess has been around for 30, 30 or 40,000 years. Uh, we can look to the artifacts, we can look to the archaeological sites, we can look to the textiles, we can look to the myths. But, you know, because religion is about power and politics, uh, the sacred feminine has sort of been swept beneath the sands of time. And uh, the mythology of goddess uh, has been uh, obscured purposefully uh, because this is all about um, uh, uplifting uh, the patriarchy as opposed to um, having a balanced society where you have the attributes of the feminine and the masculine uh, in control in society. So when you consider that uh, one person's myth is another person's religion, uh, and, and when that myth is um, dominated by a male guide, well, then you have male leadership uh, that that predominates in society. So as a result, women have been subjugated, and goddesses uh, become our role models. They become our archetypes. So when we only have a male god that that is at the center of society, well, that sets the male gender up to be the leader of the society, and and that then um, subjugates women to sort of a second-class supporting role rather than a partnership, rather than uh, an equal role where they are, uh, in a sense, um, you know, looking over humankind together or men and women or uh, leading and ruling together. Well, that was just a little clip uh, from Fem, uh, Women Healing the World. Um, haven't played that for a while, so I thought I'd share it with you. Um, for those listeners who maybe don't know about the documentary, Femme Women Healing the World, uh, it was put together by actress Sharon Stone and Emmanuel Etier of Wonderland Entertainment. And I really believe it should be required uh, viewing in schools, churches, uh, you know, groups, uh, across the globe, quite honestly, because it has the courage to uh, talk about how things once were and how religion, how patriarchal religion changed things. But it doesn't just uh, talk about the problems. You know, it offers solutions. And uh, I was uh, lucky enough to be included in Femme Women Healing the World alongside some of my mentors, so you can imagine what a thrill that was for me. Uh, and especially because I sort of um, the part that did, um, didn't did get left on the cutting room floor, uh, I sort of carry the, the message of goddess, you know, how goddess is about the we and the us 
instead of the I and the me. Uh, so that uh, that made it doubly delicious for me, um, you know, to actually be in the film, to be speaking about goddess and introducing her uh, in Femme Women Healing the World. So if you'd like to uh, get a copy of that, there's lots of ways to do it. You can just Google Femme, F-E-M-M-E, Women Healing the World, uh, or you can go to my website, KarenTate.com, and uh, right there on the front page, um, the main page, if you just scroll down a little bit, there's a link. Uh, if you click on that link, uh, it will take you to another web page that gives you options for either uh, streaming it live or you can buy a DVD or um, you know there may even be other options now. I haven't looked uh, for a while. But uh, just wanted to remind you about Femme uh, Women Healing the World because we screened it at the recent uh, Goddess Spirit Rising um, uh, conference that was held here in Simi Valley, and uh, uh, people were very excited about it. They felt very informed, and they felt very uplifted, and um, just wanted to make sure you know all about it. Uh, also, too, from Joe Corson, uh, here's something new I want to tell you about. Um, for some time now on the show, I've uh, described the film uh, Dancing with Gaia by Joe Corson. Uh, Joe um, has also written a book called Celebrate Wildness, Magic, Mirth, and Love uh, on the Feriferia Path, uh, which has just recently come out in a new expanded second edition. Uh, this is from uh, this is a review from Stephen Posh, who's the author of Radio uh, Paganistan, uh, Folk Tales of the Urban Witches, um, which is in witchesandpagans.com. Uh, he describes the book uh, thusly, and I'll quote, uh, a scintillating new book uh, by filmmaker Joe Carson, an expanded second edition, now gives access to Fred Adams' 50-year life work, rapturous poetry, erotically charged ritual, glowing surreal paintings, and an overall vision of a human culture utterly defined by wilderness, eros, and goddess. Doesn't that sound delicious? Delicious is my word tonight. <laughs> uh, Celebrate Wildness is available from the Ferraferia website at ferraferia.org, and that's spelled F-E-R-A, uh, F-E-R-I-A. Uh, and if you want to buy only one pagan book this year, uh, because you've already bought all of Karen Tate's books, <laughs> Let it be Celebrate Wildness, uh, in which uh, you'll encounter the Ferrifarian vision, rearticulated for a new century and a new generation. Okay. Um, also, too, um, I want to make sure if you're in the Southern California area uh, that you don't miss going to the Goddess Temple of Orange County, which is open to the public uh, Friday and Saturday afternoons uh, for meditation and viewing the beautiful museum exhibits of Goddess uh, on display there, um, dating back uh, to the Paleolithic uh, all the way up to the present. Um, they have Goddess Spiritual Celebration Services every Sunday, rain or shine, 11 to 12.30. Fourth Sunday, though, is for all genders, um, uh, you know, for your family, uh, not just for women, while the other Sundays are just for adult women. Uh, but their uh, Venus Hour is every Friday from 5 to 7 p.m. Um, it's Orange County's best happy hour with libations, snacks, music, movies. Uh, and you know what? You go there, meet new like-minded people, and it's all totally free. Uh, so for more information about uh, the museum or the Venus Hour or Sunday services or just the Goddess Temple in general, go to their website, goddesstempleoc.com. 
org, goddesstempleoc.org. Uh, well, dear listeners, that about does it for me tonight. Uh, I am going to call it here. And uh, thank you so very much uh, for being a listener. I hope you will tell your friends. And um, as always, please let me hear from you. Um, send me ideas for guests. Uh, that's how many of the guests actually end up here on the show. I really do read your emails and listen to what you have to say. And uh, if I have ever missed an email uh, or didn't respond, please try again because it is not like me not to reply. Also, please make sure you hit the follow button on the show page so you get notices of uh, uh, the show each week uh, so you don't miss our great guests. And finally, uh, if I can be so bold, I would sure appreciate it. If uh, you enjoy the show and you like what I do here, um, please help me keep the show on the air. You know, what we support, uh, you know, it thrives and what we neglect withers. And I would just uh, ask that you show your appreciation by occasionally, if you would, sending in a donation or possibly buying a book or some of my goddess greeting cards or some of the other uh, interesting things I have on the goddess store page of my website, uh, which is uh, at karentate.com. Just go to the goddess store page, uh, scroll all the way down. You can find PayPal buttons where you can donate any amount and no amount is too small. Uh, or you can find some of the other things that I have for sale there that help me um, defray the costs of the work I do in the world because uh, most of it is all free. The Joseph Campbell Roundtables, um, the radio show, the talks that I give, uh, I really do it as a service to the community because I think the message is so important, uh, but it also helps uh, to know that you value it and um if you'd like to show you value it with a with a purchase of my books, uh, which I'd be happy to sign for you, especially with the holidays coming, um, you know, give them as gifts um, from the bottom of my heart. It, it would be most appreciated. So thank you, dear listeners, um, for all of your support and your listener loyalty. And um, we'll close out uh, tonight's show uh, with this uh, cut from Abigail Spinner McBride's Sacred Way. Enjoy. Thank you. 